finished watching the 1997 film Starship Troopers directed by Paul Verhoeven and based off of a book um, by the same name um, with the continuation of this round of films we started a couple of weeks ago the theme for this round was films that meant a lot to you as children or films that are important to you as children and seeing this is my pick I thought I'd Start um, by setting out, you know, the reasoning behind that for me. Um, this film was a 1997 film, so I would have been about five years when it came out. I obviously didn't see it at the cinema, um, but this is one of those first films I can vividly remember sitting in my back lounge room at home with the um, CRT TV, the VCR recorder. My dad had recorded it off Channel 7, skipping through the ads, skipping through the nudity scenes, and I watched it when I was about, you know, 10 years old. So it holds a, it holds a special place in my heart as one of those first sort of VCR movies that you'd watch over and over again. Um, and as a child, you appreciate it for, um, for its action. Um, it's just a huge, grand... Um, sci-fi film in that sense um it's like that as a kid i was just all across um but watching it back on re on rewatch for this i think you can appreciate that there's there's obviously some things to take away from the film as well so i think we'll just throw it around to whoever wants to start up and and i think well the first question i want to ask is has has everyone seen the film before once that was my first time that's first time Don't no i've never seen the movie before i thought i had but i haven't um, was your dad a fan of the novel, the book? Had he read it and then... I don't think so. No, okay. I don't think anybody has... <laughs> no I don't think, I, I'm, not a, I'm not aware of anyone having read the book. I don't think the book is 
critically acclaimed. So Wikipedia would argue otherwise with you. Really? It's, yeah, apparently very well known. Big sci-fi book. Um, and the author was one of, according to Wikipedia, the three big sci-fi authors of the kind of 50s, 60s. This might have been one of his lesser works, but nonetheless, it's, it's well known, perhaps yeah. in America only. Um, but I just wasn't sure if this was something that your, your dad in kind of like his late 30s, early 40s was like, oh my God. Uh, no, but no, in answer yeah. to the question you actually asked, I had not seen it before. Yeah. No, I think, um, and just to, to go off your last point there, I think it's just literally one of those things where, you know, it's on Channel 7 and we just listened to the trailer and, um, you know, there would have been similar ads like running through the footy or whatever and you're just like, fuck, looks like a movie. Ten-year-old me wants to watch it. That's as simple as it was. And obviously, you know, I was a big Star Wars fan as a kid and, and all those sort of things. So, and I think we discussed throughout the film, you know, it does draw a lot of elements from Star Wars and a lot of the space um, design, the design of spaceships and, and those sort of things. Um, so it's all just in the same vein for me. Mm-hmm. When I go, oh, sorry. My first take is just that, like, I'm ready to sign up for the inter- intergalactic militia. Let's fucking go. Let's kill some Mate. bugs. Um, how do you feel... Obviously, first time watching it at 10 years old, skip past the nudity scenes. First time you saw it with the nudity, you were a bit like, mate, what the fuck? This movie's <laughs> infinitely better than what I thought it was. Missing out. Missing out. 10 year old movie was 100% what? Yeah. Infuriated by that. Critical parts of the film. So, uh, well, what's the structure of this pod host? Are we, are we picking up that mantle and running with it, or are we just starting with some initial thoughts? Okay, well, basically, I have two key things that I want to talk about. So are we just going straight past initial thoughts? Or? No, no, but I think we want to start with initial thoughts. And like, okay, look, if those two key things come up, we'll, we'll jump on it. But let's go with initial thoughts. Was that your I mean, you're the last. Well, I mean, I'll start. Yeah. So I have two initial thoughts about this movie. <coughs> Firstly, it's one of the few movies I've seen where it's like a straight line correlation of as the movie progresses, it gets worse. So I think... <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean to say that it's, it's a bad movie. It's a and good look, movie, obviously. I'm not saying that the movie, yeah, it's, it's, this it's, it's, movie it's, it's, is it's, not... This movie is yeah, not higher. But but the first scene was the best scene. The second scene was the second best scene. The third <laughs> scene was the third best scene. And it just was like the first couple of scenes, I was like, fuck, I'm getting around this. And then just like, there was nothing to it. And then the, the other point I want to make is that, and I don't know enough about the novel, this is why I was interested to know if your dad had read it, is this a, 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 a good novel story that just didn't convert well into a film? Or, or is there no such thing as that and they just didn't? Do a good my, because my understanding. Because, well, just give me a sec. The novel actually sounds really interesting because yeah. the novel is those first few scenes in the sense of it sets the premise of only those who have served can vote, yeah. and the world is or the intergalactic you know alliance is run by this military elite. That's quite an interesting scene. But then I guess it's a kids movie and it's an action movie, so they kind of just parked that stuff and yeah. just ran with the alien. My understanding is that the sci-fi is a lot more high concept in the sense of... In the book, you're saying? Or? Yeah, the book, yeah. sorry. I don't think there's a lot of action in the yeah, book. I think, yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, and this was just a straight turning into an action movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with your point about the first scene being the best Yeah, scene. I don't think the movie gets worse. Okay, moving onwards and onwards. I, 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 honestly, I honestly thought that the, the redeeming scenes or the action scenes would start... But I thought the best action scene was the one where they have the, the base. Right? I don't know. You mean the, the, the training scenes? they're like scenes. kind of... No, not the no, training scenes where they ambushed. like uh, sort of where the, the bugs just come yeah, yeah. flying. That's still in. like at that least was, halfway through the movie. I, I agree. Two That's thirds of the I, I agree. Movie. However, my point is that all the scenes before that were kind of okay, particularly the ones at the start. And then of all the action scenes, all, in my opinion, that was the best, and that was like the first yeah, action scene. The, 
No, that's not the first action scene. It's that's one of the early that's action scenes. Almost the climax. Because the after you get to that, after point, that movie, it's just all action. After that scene, rather, it's just all action scenes. No, There's nothing else to it. After that scene, it's 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 so it's rushing to the end because that, that 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 scene. <laughs> yeah, is you're where, right. It's rushing to the end. That scene is where they identify that. Um, you know that there's the brain bug or whatever. So the whole thing you 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 sort of don't really know what's going on. You, if if you put yourself in the position of the Federation and of the the characters in the film, you start with oh look we're better than this. We, you know um, we're just going to do this easily. It becomes very hard. It's very drastic. All these casualties happen. Um, they're just sort of figuring it out as they go. They're just trying to attack everything they can. Then you have that ambush scene. You get that new information, and then it's. How do we uh, how do we capture the brain bug and how do you, we wrap the film up? Did you like any of the scenes after that ambush scene? Were any of them enjoyable? Um, yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> like some of the start was okay, and I, I like the ambush scene. But after that, I didn't I enjoy enjoyed anything. seeing our main characters take on that more leadership role oh, I mean, and becoming yeah, okay, like coming into like, their own and being yeah. like, yeah, this is but now it, like oh. our story, you know, rather than being like a yeah. cog in the wheel. And I mean, the final scene with the brain bug is not terrible. Oh, kind of happens off, se- off screen, which, like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then the whole, like, do you want to know more? And I'm stealing it from Rodri, but yes, I do. I always wanted to know more, but they never told you. They just, I didn't understand the what the... But, like, that's the point. <laughs> well, so I think, so, uh, do we want to pick up on that? So, obviously, the... No, let's not pick up on that right now. Stefan, you haven't said anything yet. Oh, um, yeah, there seemed to be some good back and forth. Um, yeah, I remember watching this, actually getting it from Video Easy with my old man. Um, you know, he used to kind of suggest action films to me and stuff. And I remember this was one and we watched it and I only ever watched it once. And, um, I think it speaks to me at whatever age I was. I think I was around 12, 13 years old. Um, I definitely wasn't fast forwarding the sex scenes. I remember that. Um, (laughs) and I also, the main key, like... Watching those early scenes, the setting up scenes are in the high school and whatnot, I almost didn't remember them at all. So my only memory really of that film was the action scenes and was about from the ambush on in that I think they were the most enjoyable scenes for me at that age. And although the violence is quite video game like in that it's like just constant spraying. It's yeah. Halo. And yeah, it's Halo. And then it's like, oh, it's, it's a bigger one. So we use a grenade for this one. And then, oh, it's a bigger one again, so we use the bigger gun. And, like, out of the violence to a 13-year-old, you're not going to get sick of that repetition because it's yeah. so well done and it's so... Oh, sick. Yeah, exactly. It has the all sick factor. And, um, yeah, they're the scenes that I remembered um, watching it then. Um, but, yeah, watching it that second time, I think the scenes that were the best and have the most to unpack are definitely the propaganda piece yep. scenes. Um, I think they're the only scenes in the film that I found truly stimulating in the sense of outside of the all sick factor of the violence, which, um, I mean, yeah, even like towards the end, I was just kind of like ready for it to be over because it's just the same violent scenes over yeah. and over and over again in the same battle setting. Um, but yeah, I think, and you know, we can open that up to the floor. I'm sure that was probably one of the things kind of wanted to talk about was... Yeah those scenes and what they represent and um, what the author's kind of speaking to. And I imagine they're unpacked at a quite a high level in the book. I haven't read the book, but I imagine that's probably a key premise in why the book was so popular. 
Yeah, so I think I think what I think we have to talk about that. So the film opens up, and it opens up with um, a, fi- a, a film reel, as if you were, you know, if it was as if it was on the state-owned media nightly news, and it's going. Clendathu has been invaded. We're doing this. Rah, rah, rah. Do you want to know more? What do we know about the bugs? They do this. Do you want to know more? Sign up today to the International Federation. Do you want to know more? All those things. Um, and it goes to the critical point of this film and it's something that you look at it when you're a kid and oh, sorry the critical point is is this film pro-fascist or is this film a satire of fascism very, yeah so a very interesting point and from what I've read online is that the book and particularly the author is very clearly pro if not fascism probably pro-fascism but certainly pro-American imperialism. And apparently this book either was written... It was written in a context where the Eisenhower administration, and particularly America, had kind of... They'd stopped nuclear testing and there was some kind of alliance among the world, which basically in, in the 50s was regarded as like the most beta thing ever. So the book seems to be very clearly pro, as I said, at least fascism, fascism, possibly American imperialism. The movie's really interesting, though, because... Is it pro or is it anti? Is it is it taking the piss? Yeah, so is the movie comes across joke? as a satire to me. It does to me, but is that See, because it's poorly made or because that was what I was trying <laughs> to do? I was wondering I that as like, I was watching it. Yeah. That was a question like, that came is it up. trying to be... Is this meant to be satire or is it just yeah. shit made? I honestly... So, so I've listened to... and I've read a number of things about this and I've listened to a number of things and I've, I've thought about the film myself. I think it is... Literally open to interpretation. Well, there so are aspects. Like, I mean, that's the generous interpretation. It's like super meta and like it's high level. There are there are aspects of the film that are so clearly pro-fascist, but it portrays some elements with this negative light. So, I mean, obviously, in the sense of the 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 newsreels and stuff, and the things of them killing the bugs, they're satirical in the sense of they're over they're over um, contextualized. They're um, sort of ridiculous, but in a way, that's what propaganda is. So it is almost just being true to form. Um, but I think mm. it, you know, if you if you follow the sort of it is a pro-fascist take, you can look at a lot of um, you know the sort of this is my duty. We're doing this. Everything's sort of all good. Uh, in the end, they succeed. Um, all these sort of things. But then, if you take you know the fact that this is satire, you can maybe look at scenes like. The scene of the um, private dying in training. The scene of the um, the uh, reporter talking about you know, and some say we you know provoke the bugs and this and then and then you know Rico comes over yeah. and be like I say kill them all like you know that can kind of be like you know that's that sort of shows that maybe it's a satire. And I think I don't know if I want to give the film filmmaker not enough credit or too much credit yeah. in the sense of did he even know what he was doing or. <laughs> Were they just, you know, did he want it to be this fact where you kind of don't even know if it's it's, it's pro or if it's anti? Um, I think at the end of the day, it's definitely not entirely satire, I think. Yeah, I think, I think some parts of the film would agree with that take, that it's not completely satire. But to me, those propaganda scenes couldn't be anything else but they're so overdone they they read and view like a nazi propaganda film um they hit all the notes where it's so over the top that 
it has to be critiquing something. And I don't I almost don't think that they're they're aligned with the views and with the plot of the rest of the film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because because isn't it isn't that isn't that point contrasted by the fact that it's successful ultimately? Yeah, like the structure and the system is ultimately successful. So it works that over the top in cinema universe. So works by, in real life by too. making the propaganda so real. We're saying he's satire satire is satire is it. Because the propaganda is such bullshit, or we're saying he's presenting a good picture of it because that's how propaganda is. Look, I think I, I think, think it's an accurate picture of yeah. the effectiveness. I think of the propaganda. question is, I think the question is, if you think it's accurate or if you think it's over dramatized. Wait, we think we think what's accurate? As in, is that accurate propaganda? Like, I look to be honest, I can't recall a lot of Nazi propaganda, and I mean, look, I do watch <laughs> CNN, so I'm aware of propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I do watch any mainstream news. <laughs> I would get so, into the Fox News. Yeah. So I know what propaganda's like. Uh, I do read the West. Yeah, no, Fox News is equally propaganda. All mainstream media. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not... Yeah. We're not picking sides here. Yeah. Um, Trump 2020, though. <laughs> Why are we saying propaganda? Why aren't we just saying the media? Exactly. One and the same. But do we want to have a discussion about, like, fascism here? And like I've got two deep dives I'm going to do that are sort of related, but they're not. But yeah, let's do this. Because so my my I my position has always been this explains a lot. This movie explains you, a lot of your anti-fascism. The best form of government, Ooh. theoretically, is a benevolent dictator. Okay, so this comes exactly to one of the deep dives I want to do. Yeah. So so um one of the books that I'm partway through that's a really good book is by Elias Kennedy and it's called Crowds and Power and it run, won like the early 1960s Nobel Literature Prize or whatever. And so part of what the book analyzes is why we have democracy rule, which we do in most, well, we clearly do obviously in Australia, anyway, let's say. So democracy is just majority. It's the last continent, I don't know. Well, well, yeah, we'll get to that. But, but democracy is just majority wins, right? And so why do we think majority should win? So I'll start exactly. with you, Connor, and, and obviously you're against it, but what, what do you think would be an argument? Like, why should majority win? Well, the why? argument, the argument that majority the argument wins for? is because if you, if you theoretically look at it and you say 51 out of 100 people like it, that's more than 49 but, out of So that's so, the most but, fair. But why is that's that fair? Argument. Why is more Because the most have fair? A, but, but why? Why no, well, is that I'm not, Well, I'm not going to yeah, argue but why, yeah. but that's what the so, argument is. Yeah, and Zan, you agree? I mean, I mean my, obviously, yeah. Great. But yeah. so, what what Elias Kennedy does is he, he democracy is utilitarianism. Though. <laughs> he analyzes nature and fire and wind and crowds and everything. But effectively, his thesis is that is that back in thousands of years ago, before we had elected governments, the way we sorted all kinds of diplomatic disputes or any disputes, frankly, was through war and through battle. That's that's obviously that's how what, we sorted. That's everything. what they say in the film. He says. Violence is the ultimate. Yes, exactly. Power. Exactly, yeah. and 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 what he all said is, is that eventually, is what society form. did, and this is how we ended up with democracy, was that no one sat there and said, "Hey," but what happened was society said, "Well, fucking wait a minute, wars are really destructive. Like we're fighting over some potentially very small thing, and we lose almost all of our young men, and our society's fucked. What if we thought of a better way? And the better way is that." If we had two raging armies that were just about to fight and they were just about to start war and then we said, okay, everyone pause, let's do a head count and we said which army has more, which army has less 
and almost always the army with more wins. And the fact that we can all point out that rare examples when the army with less has won, three hundred various other one of the armies. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, his point is that it's so rare that the army with less wins, almost always it's the army with more wins, that what if society as a whole, we just said, yeah, we have these pretend battles, which are effectively election campaigns, and then just before we all draw our swords and or pull about to pull our trigger, we do a head count, and then we say, war over, we don't have to go to war for three years, the army with more won. So that is his justification for how we ended up with democracy. There is no right, there is no wrong in this world, but just what we realised was that the way we solve disputes through history was through armed conflict. The best way to kind of assess who would win was a head count. So let's avoid the bad parts of armed conflict, which is the dying, and let's just keep the head count to make decisions. I mean, and that's the main argument for the United States playing the role they do in foreign policy, in that they act as that figurehead with the yeah, most numbers, effectively the, person the most resources, of, yeah. and they just act as, like, the world police um, in stopping these armed conflicts. I mean, they're starting a lot of them, but, you know, let's not dive into the facts. But that's the, they play that figurehead role of they win the count and they keep the peace. And, and that's actually interesting because they win, maybe not as much now, but in the past, the financial count. Yes. Which was, yeah, who had more money and they decided, which is kind of who had more resources. another layer yeah. Yeah, on top of the army of, yeah, exactly, how do you measure resources? Is it purely cabin, like heads or is it... Military might, yeah, whatever. Yeah, which, yeah. So bringing that back to the film, they say that, that line in the, in the movie about how there are more bugs than humans, but they've got to do with the X, Y, and Z in order to win. They're saying that like, so fuck that democracy, we're going to do what it takes to make sure our position is heard and is victorious here. So pro-fascism? From well, that perspective? Um, I mean, yeah. Well, I think there's a distinction between fascism and sort of... A benevolent, benevolent dictator? Or like authoritarianism yeah. in general. totalitarianism. And, you know, to go back to uh, the point that I was starting to make there was that this film shows a lot of the positives of something like an authoritarian <laughs> society can have. Positives! Let it finish. So... You see in the film, they've got things like you have to when you get your Strong score. Military. When you get your score, you go up and it puts it up on a big fucking board in front of everyone else, and everyone sees exactly what your score Why is. Why is it a positive? Because it. Okay, okay let me. Yeah, let, let, let me make one point. Finish. So oh, it promotes it promotes um, competition. It promotes excellence. Why is that a positive? Why is competition a because problem? it leads to the success of their society? Why does it lead it to, to a success? Because it leads society. to a tank that can heal your leg wounds. <laughs> That's edge. why. How does competition lead <laughs> to education? Everyone, else everyone, dies. Everyone's, everyone's, a everyone's a cripple. Everyone's a cripple. Everyone's a cripple, and if you get any slight flesh wound, you just get shot. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> because <laughs> people compete to be to, to avoid embarrassment. But so, but so you're saying so you're saying you're saying avoiding embarrassment equals better to people. Strive to improve themselves to avoid social embarrassment, See, um, to avoid societal so, so embarrassment. So, avoiding social embarrassment and societal embarrassment is good. In the film, it leads people to be more successful in roles, more successful in the military, etc. The way the hyper conflicted, the hyper tested that their society is even look at the boot camp it's very um aggressive people go down washed out lane it 
it leads to people being highly successful because of the amount of competition that it imposes on people. If you're wired that way and you have that type of personality. And the point is, if you look at a society and you have people who are, um, look, if you think the military is worthy service for society, people contributing to the military, people can, can contributing to sciences, things like that. It, right now, in, in our life, we have so many people doing useless things, such as gender studies or, <laughs> you know, other degrees. <laughs> other degrees right, which are useless. Politics. 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 I'm going to cut you off. Politics. How is And law. Wasn't our protagonist one of those people that got the 35%? Projected in front of everyone, yeah, bad and then and then and then ended up being a lieutenant in like leading a, a, yeah, exactly. like one of the hardest because of the embarrassment of the thirty five percent. Is that, is that what it was? Yeah, or was exactly. it just like the assessment wasn't a projection of exactly. what his skills? Like, yeah, let's exactly. get into Zan how he doesn't think intelligence is measured yeah, properly at yeah, university. I am, mate. Yeah, yeah. I actually rate this take. If you think of the right take, if you think of society as a as a hive mind as a collective. Interestingly, the bug society is literally a hive mind and a collective, and look how successful they are in the film. If you look at human society... <laughs> they lost! Well, they, they lost, lost eventually, but they did a lot of damage prior. Um, if you look at, you know... I thought he was being facetious then. <laughs> if you look at human society as, as a hive mind in the sense of um, the amount of mental power we can put together, if things are not wasted, if things are channeled through structures such as military, these sort of things, that mental... Um, exertion is put forward to uh, the purpose of the state. Look, it's, uh, it's definitely the purpose of the state. Is this but the, it's where in the contrast In the contrast to our society where people do very much their own interests, nothing serves the state really, you can see the waste of But why is it mental, waste? Well, in the terms of for the state. And I, th- uh, yeah, and okay, I think yeah. I think it's an interesting take on the service to the state because one, one of the interesting... Um, themes I thought explored in the film was the idea of having to participate in some form in the military in yeah, order to have a say yeah. in civil discourse. Yeah. And I mean, we obviously know historically this goes back to Roman Empire, this goes back to ancient Greek culture, this goes back to many mi- militaristic cultures, and it's still prevalent in some countries today. In Israel, you still have to do military service, but obviously they South, take... South Korea. South Korea, South Korea but obviously they take it to the next level where it's yeah. to actually be able to vote and be yeah. seen as a citizen. So there's two classes of citizens. Yeah. And I mean, in our society today, well, especially in Australia, I guess in the United States it's different. You know, you, you have the veteran discount and you salute the, the heroes and the troops. In Australia, we don't really have much of that culture. But it's like there's not really much difference between a citizen that serves in the military and a citizen that doesn't in terms of entitlements, in terms of your say in society and in terms, I would also argue, in terms of the respect that you command from your fellow citizens. In this culture, not only do they have that heightened level of respect, but it's gone to the next level where it's like, no, you don't actually get a say in anything unless you've served. And that goes back to the fundamental point. There's a classic quote, I can't remember exactly who said it off the top of my head, but never ask for something that you can't take by force. And that's pretty much the theme of the film in a lot of ways is that don't ask for peace, don't ask to do anything to conquer these bugs if you're not going to take it by force. Don't ask to participate in civil discourse if you're not going to first shed the blood. And, you know, I think that's a, an ancient view in a lot of ways, but also a view that 
perhaps has more merit than yeah. well, one, so would, one movie, would like to believe. That one really good line at the start is that any anything that's just given is not valuable. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that question of, well, fuck, should, should every citizen of you know, mental ability just be entitled to vote or should you have to earn it? That's a really interesting question. And that's yeah. what I... Like, that's canvassed in the first few scenes and you're like, oh, yeah. fuck, like, this exactly. movie... I mean, we've got kind of dickheads making that argument all the time. Joe Rogan has said openly on his podcast many <laughs> and times... And then press Yeah, no, 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 but he's, he's openly said, like, he thinks that you should be, have to take a test... To be able to vote, which I mean, obviously that's massively problematic because then again, you're getting stuck in this, the Zan critique of the archaic fucking test, yeah, yeah, the test method to be able to do something. Yeah, but I do agree with the 100 kilo bench to vote. (laughs) But yeah, and I think it goes back to, it goes back to the point that Dan's talking about is that in democracy is that as our society, we have adapted to this sort of lowest common denominator, what's the thing that hurts the least number amount of people. And because to your point, so we have evolved from this position where previously, as you said, Roman, you know, uh, the people Great. who voted, <coughs> people had say, the people had say in, um, in the political government had to have, they either had land or they contributed to the, to the army or whatever it was. You know, as we move forward, only, um, only men could vote at a point or only people who had property could vote in some certain societies. And throughout our history, we've stripped all those things back to, um, in the interest of equality. Um, and I think I think that is a good thing because I mean ultimately, it is it is it is harmful for people not to have a vote and people not to have interest. But if you're looking at it from a purely theoretical view, in the sense of what would be the most um, what would be the most sufficient society or what would be the most um, well-run society, if you were to be able to 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 um, eliminate all the risks, something like having having to earn. Um, your vote having to be a certain intelligence or having to have some sort of system which says a capability. why you can direct the government would obviously be better. So but there's just too many risks associated with it. So to work in real life. And I don't think there's any agreement on what yeah, the, this, the capability exactly, would be. So That's the fundamental the issue. The hypothetical I pose is that it's difficult to measure a successful life, but very crudely... A, a successful life is the longer you live. So someone that lives 70 and someone lives 80, the person who lives 80 wins if you know nothing else about them. So if you've got, you've got 30 people and you're on a desert island and you split them into three groups of 10 and you put 10 on this part of the island, 10 on that part of the island, 10 on the other part of the island and one group and you say, how do you determine which of these three mini tribes, let's call it like survivor, wins? Is it the tribe that at the end has the oldest survivor is it the tribe who has the old, the highest average of survivor, or is it the tribe who has the highest survivor who is the first to die? Yeah. I take the view that it's the latter. The, 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 the first person to die, what age were they? Whoever's is the highest wins, because they lifted the lowest person the higher. I think there are some people, possibly you, Connor, who would say whoever had the, the, the oldest person wins... But clearly society, particularly democracy, generally speaking, we go with the average of whose who's average age was the highest they win. And, and as we've said several times already, is that there's no right answer. Yeah, it's it depends on want. the perspective of, of what you're you doing. I mean, for, you know, for the collective, you know, if you're looking at it you know, across the whole thing, exactly. it is. It's the one who, in, in, that, in that scenario, the one who was the oldest when they died. If you're looking at what was the best outcome for like say for example one person it's the tribe where it's that person that's you know that's the sort of excellence in that aspect 
Um, so it, it comes down to perspective, and that's why um, that's why we end up tending towards these lost common denominator things because it's it's the one that doesn't harm the most people. Can I just say I'm shocked that from that movie we've been able to yeah, discuss what we've just been discussing <laughs> the first for the last twenty minutes. But besides that, um, I think a kind of it'd be remiss of us to not discuss in the context of what we've been discussing right now how this film kind of very neatly glosses over the trauma of war. And I think we've all seen... Oh, this is the other one. Don't yeah, well, I think... Well, no, well, I think we've all seen, you know, the really accurate depictions of war as, or as accurate as we can imagine them, whether it's Saving Private Ryan, Lone Survivor, 1917, these films that give this real realistic take on war and the carnage that comes with it. And in this film, I feel like it's just like... It presents, if we, if we accept the proposition that this film is almost endorsing fascism and endorsing this more efficient manner of society functioning, it does gloss over the military-industrial complex. It does gloss over the fact that the guy signing you up for the war is missing an arm and two legs. It does gloss over the PTSD. It does gloss over the fact that human beings are having to do terrible things in order for a faceless government. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think you can t- discuss the political elements of this film and the kind of utopian society that it is aiming to present without discussing the huge shortfall of never-ending war and see, what that does to a population. See, I don't know. I don't know if it does I don't know if it does necessarily gloss over that. I mean, with certainly the main characters, like Rico gets injured and he just sort of comes back the next day and they're literally all just laughing about it while he's in the back to tank. But there are these, you know, you have these I don't think scenes. there's any heartfelt moments of war in the whole film. I don't know. Definitely not heartfelt because it's this he very takes sort half of... half a beat to shoot his commanding officer. Yeah, I just don't think there's yeah, any yeah. emotion in but, any of the war. Can I... But I think I think the film does try. It removes and the human shows, element of war. You know, it, it shows something like it shows oh training, you know, basic training. We're flipping around, playing with laser guns. Then the guy gets shot. They, even, they go even, down. Even, they even land. when that guy gets shot, his whole his whole concern throughout the entire thing was like, as a commander, I failed this guy and I let someone die. It wasn't yeah, like a holy shit, I've like let. A, He's a, a human. A human being <laughs> yeah. die on my watch. It, it, it wasn't like the moral kind of. I need to grapple with this to like move forward. In my I life. I'm not. I agree, but I'm, I'm not expecting the movie to be Saving Private Ryan. You know, yeah. I was not expecting that at any stage in that film. But I think it could have been a better film if it engaged with those things so a little bit. I think that goes a little bit. I think that goes to like the satire element, the satire question of it. You know, like it's showing these, it's showing these negatives. You know, it's showing these positives and then it's showing these negatives and is, is um, but it's not doing it in too deep of a way because then it's not satire, it's more But that's if you accept the proposition that the film's satire. Well, so this is the second deep dive that I want to do, but this is exactly the point. And so and, and this comes to my point of each scene was worse than the one that preceded it. And it happened in the early scenes was immediately I was taken to and your point Stefan about kind of the, the realness of war and the, the the kind of the actual what happens on the battlefront and the first the ever, human element the human element exactly the first ever film and kind of modern literature to do that was all quiet on the western front and mm. the, the scene which is the second scene where the teacher's recruiting to them recruiting them immediately I was like oh this is just a, a cheap in, a cheap yeah. rip off of all quiet on the western front and I was surprised that there was none of that commentary on Wikipedia and elsewhere on the internet as far as I could see because the first scene of all quiet on the western front 
is all about the high school teacher recruiting them to join the army, even though he knows nothing about military conflict at what, well, not World War One or not 20, 20th century conflict anyway. And then they go to the World War One Western Front and they all die a horrible death. And and that's what I was gearing up. I thought, fuck, this movie might be like an intergalactic all final Western Front. And I was like kind of keen for it. Yeah. And that first scene was, was literally exactly that. Um, and then you just get nothing more from it. Um, it's not explored at all. No, and satire, kids' movie, I don't know. Um, I mean, it could be a kids' movie thing in that... Is it really a kids' movie? In well, that's that what I was reading. It's like a bunch of like nudity throughout. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of violence and a lot of nudity. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd... It's not a kids' movie. But I don't know if I'd classify it. Like I think it's MA15+. Plus yeah. I don't know if I'd classify it as a kids' movie, but I mean... The dialogue. It's a dumb you action movie. You can be seven yeah. years old and well, follow. Dumb, but it's but a... jumping on the dumb action movie thing, it's like there are a lot of. Yeah, let's talk about how dumb the movie is. Yeah, because that's like the thing I'm no, really keen to dive into. Each thing gets worse. But there, because we just made the movie sound so much smarter. There are than it a lot. There is. are a lot of movies that are bad that you watch, and throughout the entire thing, you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe how bad this is." But to me, this movie got to a point where, like, it kind of understood. How bad it was, yeah, it was and engaged yeah. with that appropriate in like the right. I don't know how it did it, but it engaged with that in, in the right Rap way. Rap Jack's next. Yeah, I, I just get hyped for that. Shit. Yeah, and it just it did this thing where it just kind of like it was towing the line between being like, yeah, it's a silly uh, movie that doesn't have a big enough budget to do what it wants to do, and the dialogue and the script isn't that good, and the actors aren't. Had a hundred and twenty million dollar budget. I did yeah, it actually. Yes. It had, oh my god! I, I take back that, that point that I did like, not understand. It that. did. Yeah, yeah, it made ten million more than yeah, what its yeah, budget yeah, yeah. was. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just stick to the script and the. Like, what was the money spent on? Yeah, I'm gonna. Hey, yeah. That was my. That, hey, that was 1997 CGI. Yeah, 1997 CGI. Denise Richards boob lift. <laughs> Bunch of people like stealing money from the from the set, but anyway, from the from the script. Hey, they actually had a lot of practical sets from, in that from, film. From the dialogue and the acting alone. You could tell that it wasn't like a good movie, but it kind of did this thing where it was engaging with the fact that it, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't like a great movie, but it was still telling like a story that kind of had fun. And I don't know. It had I think you guys are going to be surprised when I give this a nine. <laughs> we will be. Um, <laughs> I could not disagree with Zan Moore from the two minutes that he just no? spoke. You're, in right? that, I don't think the movie showed any self awareness for how bad it was. <laughs> I think it tried to present itself as a genuine drama. As it had to, as having genuine characters really? that have genuine so, interactions. I could never have I taken thought, it that seriously. I thought the characters were so hollow. I thought the acting was disgustingly bad, it's and it was actually point. offensive to film sometimes how bad the acting was, especially of Rico and Denise. I thought it, it read it watched like an ABC Kids teen show. The dial, some of the dialogue, and I just think. The guy who wrote the script, if he hasn't already, should shoot himself. Um, and I actually looked at his Wikipedia page and I was fascinated to know, what else did he do? He did Starship Troopers, two to four. That's it. That's the rest of the scripts. And he even directed this one. Forum. And they all went straight to DVD this besides the forum. first one. Okay, guys. So I think to try and... Starship Troopers round? So I think to try and... Like I said... I won't be giving this a nine, and I was joking about that. Oh yeah, that's fine. But I, I will acknowledge that it presents some themes that, when drawn out by four intellectual fellows, make the film sound like it may be presenting things quite well. But I think if someone listened to the first twenty minutes of this podcast and then was like, "Man, I'm gonna pause there and watch the film," 
they would be like, what the fuck are these four lunatics talking about? And that, I think, comes from the dialogue, the acting, the CGI, which is not its fault, it just didn't age well. But the dialogue and the acting, that, that football scene is one of the worst scenes in film I have ever seen. And even the fact it's so comically bad, it has no redeeming qualities. It has zero redeeming qualities. Yeah, and like... That's why I was a little outraged by his comment about it, like being like the first scene's the best scene. Yeah, the was, I can't no, compare no, the rest of no, the movie. I didn't mind the, the football, football scene was re- like up the there. Only the only good thing about the action scene is that there's minimal dialogue, um, and it so makes just, it watchable. Just to, just to just to top on that point, just very quickly, please I do. I think that goes back to the question of do we give? <laughs> do we think the director knew exactly what he was doing? Because I like I honestly, he, I honestly he don't. I like, honestly don't think he does, but I, I don't think, think he read takes, the script before he directed it. Yeah, I he's don't clearly, think that takes away from the value of it. Yeah, though. You he's, hope so. He's clearly trying to put in some of these elements, but then he's clearly not succeeding in other areas. And the film, yeah, just like <laughs> see, like to counter what you just said, though, go for it. Yeah, like I, I'm trying my best here. I'm yeah. trying to like ro- like rose tinted glasses type uh, like approach to this. Is that like I think. The script was that awful and the acting was really that bad, but there's elements to it that like, you kind of wanted to watch it multiple times, you've seen it multiple times, and like, you guys were kind of hyped for it before we watched it this time. Like, I could imagine in a couple years, I'd be like, yeah, fuck it, let's watch Starship Trooper again, you know? Like... No. No? No. No. I'm saying, yeah. Now that I've seen it as an adult, I think I'm good. Yeah. Until I have Stephen Jr. I think I'm fine. But you want to show... I think I'm good. But you want to show him that... I want to watch it so he can watch the mindless machine gun scenes. Yeah, the three-round bursts that never run out. Yeah, sure, I'll show him that. They reload once in the entire movie. It's fucking awesome. Can I pick up the thread of self-awareness? So... Do you remember when we were at school, and I'd, I'd be interested to hear if you had the same experience, I assume you probably did. When they that wasn't s- a beta in school, so I mean. <laughs> when they sent the um, army recruiters to school and they gave you a presentation yeah, yeah, yeah. of all the benefits of if you join the army, and it was no hex there, and they gave you a better mortgage and all this stuff, and it sounded great. And I remember my dad didn't give me much good advice, but one good <laughs> advice he did give me was never join the fucking army. And so we Man. sat there. Okay, I'll, I'll talk about this <laughs> And they went on about joining the arm and it's so fucking great. And then, like, we, we pour, oh, it was the end of the session, and they're like, you can come up and get the brochures from at the front. And I was like, well, I'm not some fucking loser, we can the army. And I kid you not, at least 85% of the kids of the year 11s went and got a brochure. I think and I, I took like, the brochure. Losers! Yeah. But, but the, the lack of self awareness of the army, and maybe this is what the policeman was, uh, the director, rather, was picking up on. Of particularly for the army ads of like, you're on the army and you were doing this. Like, it seems to be this fictitious world that they live in, and is this movie just presenting this kind of idealistic art? Like, like if the army people actually ran the world, is this the world we would live in? We just go after random Gallic planets and just do stupid shit. Yeah, it's a state. You know, 85% of the year 11s would. Do we, do we have that similar experience? How does that explain the dialogue, though? <laughs> so, this is, this, is a, this is a confession, and it's sort of part of my personal philosophy, but the only, <laughs> thing, the only thing stopping me from actually having joined the army... Look, I mean, look, practically I wouldn't have done it, but <laughs> the only thing theoretically stopping me joining in the theory. army... theory! I mean, I never would have done it, but in theory... Is that I remember Zan talking about military when I first met you? Really? That you would like? We'll get to Zan. Okay. Is that I don't think I could handle 
the rank in a sense of I don't think I. But that's the most important. Exactly, exactly, and that's yeah. the fundamental. But I do. What do you mean have, you can handle the rank? What I don't do think I can handle the, the the rank of if I have an opinion that I think is correct, I couldn't. Oh no, you absolutely yeah, couldn't. Yeah, How does that any different to a law firm? Like if the senior How is that? How is that any different from me telling my partner this is how it is? And him saying, okay, changing it. Oh, the and then go, why haven't you done this? The partner's the general. But let's go, let's go at the senior associate. If they say something that's completely wrong, you know completely wrong, do you call them on it? I don't fucking. Like, I respect you if you do, but I don't. I go, all right, well, right, this is the report. Everyone's completely wrong, and you don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't think I've really come up. I don't think I've ever really come <laughs> like, up. It's your name on the letter. Yeah, fucking. I don't think I've really ever had anything wrong. But, but I, and so the, 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 no the thing one's is, wrong, I, do, I do believe that if there ever actually was a war... That required human service. Isn't you saying you'd be a war hero if you didn't think? <laughs> is that what you're getting to? No, I'm just saying that I think it is. It's somewhat. It, it is part of your civic duty to a degree. If there ever was a need for it to, uh, like, I think I would have. This would've, might be my capitalist take. I think I would have been. I would have signed up for war if I was say in like World War One. Like if I was like 20 years old, I would I would have signed up for war. I think. I don't think now. I think we've progressed past that society and it's not needed anymore. Yeah, see, but I think I would have been a person who so, would have signed up. I mean, yeah, in signing I mean, up, would you have been fully aware? Like, do you mean fully aware of what World War One was, or just like at that time being like, yeah, you know, twenty years old? I think I, I think obviously you can't you can't yeah. contemplate as if yeah, as if you are prescient of what you knew, but just in the sense of if I was to put myself at, for example, the time of World War One and how I view sort of my nation and the yeah but see I don't think that's support that hot of a take because like so many dickheads were signing no, up but, and, and so and didn't know what they were doing my, my yeah, I agree oh and but Dan just came in and just shouted it all I'm just saying I'm sorry no god no well so I would say it's it's the class's take is that as Stefan said it as you said most people well not most people were willing to or men let's say because it was were willing to sign up those who weren't <laughs> based on what I've read it was a classist take. It wasn't that, oh, I shouldn't go support my nation. It was that this is a capitalist war being fought in Europe. This has nothing to do with me. I'm not going to go shed my blood while business owners fight with each other. Yeah, see, see I think outside my conspiratorial mind and what I know about how governments function and what they're really fighting for, which is the main reason I have to admit that I would never fight for any nation or any flag. But I still think you should stand during the flag during the national fucking anthem. But that's a whole total different take. Can we end this polygon with fortunate Um, I think... See, I... Growing up, I think I always idolised my old man and thought I was like my old man. But as I get older, I realise I have some things that are comparative to him and some things that aren't. One of the things I don't have in common with him is that he has a huge issue with authority. He cannot take orders from anyone else and it's pretty and much the kind of point in that like, if he thinks he has a better way or thinks he's right, he just won't accept the person, even if he's above him, telling him this is the better way or this is the right way or whatever. And that's why he works for himself. Me, on the other hand, I've never really had... I mean, I got in trouble in school and that sort of thing, and but I've never really had a uh, fundamental issue with authority in that I don't mind falling in line. I don't see myself as someone that needs to be the chief. Like, I'm quite content with being the Indian in a lot of situations. And whilst I think that would perhaps lend itself to me being able to be in the military, I just think my fundamental opinion on war 
and all the trauma associated with it. Obviously, you can go back to, the, to World War One, and it was, you know, the big... Um, everyone was swept up in the kind of excitement of it all. That's a little bit different. But I think what we know now, like, nothing, no free degree, no benefits, even if there was benefits that, aren't, that don't exist now, nothing would entice me to go down that line. <clears throat> nothing at all. Uh, can we now segue to Zan wanting to join the military? No, no, no. I don't, he I might not recall this, but I, I just remember when I first became... I remember when I first became friends with Zan, good friends, I should say, because Zan and I knew each other for quite a few years before we became good mates. But when we first became good mates, I remember Zan, like, making several comments on more than one occasion that, like, how cool it would be to go into the military if that was where you went with your life. I might watching Band of Brothers at the time. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I remember yeah. you had, like quite an admiration for people that did that. I'm not sure that you yeah. said you would do it, but you were yeah, like yeah. quite... Whilst even at that age, I was like, I couldn't think of anything worse than going to war. But, yeah. Do you want to... And look, and I, I must say... Do you want to have a take of whether you're a patriot or not? Because <laughs> I was say, like, Connor is. I hate the flag and I'll piss on it first chance I fucking can. Yeah, just go so back to my point, I just want to quickly caveat in please, the sense of... Please, In, like, these are all philosophical points in the sense of... As if I had a state that I actually like respected, and I do respect Australia to agree, I. But I do think that all global governments right now are so you know corporatized in the thing that they're really not worthy of being like fought for. But if we were to live in a state that I actually had like national support for, then well, I think what the should we secede and start our own state? I think I would would like to secede and start my own personal state. Yeah, I think what the nation benevolent, benevolent, yeah, benevolent dictator. But it goes back to the flag debate, right? Like to me. When the national anthem plays and the flag is flying, whether it's before a sporting match, whatever the occasion may be, to me, it's just about taking a moment to respect what's happened before you, whether you agree that you personally would have done it or would go in the future. That's not really what it's about. To me, it's like you have to remove your individual opinions and biases from that. And that's why me personally, I've always just been like, it's not about any of these external political things that you're trying to make it about. Yeah. So it's, really an idea, it's an ideological, it's an idealized, it's an idealized thing. Yeah. And so, I opt so in, I opt in to that idea. My, my knee jerk reaction to say, why, why? And uh, to give, to put words in your mouth is that, cause you're not a pessimist. Yeah. Well, well yeah, yeah is pretty that, much. If you've had the benefits of the society you live in, who says, I, who says I have? Yeah, exactly. But that's who says I have? Things get given that, to you, like exactly. Dan does. But, yeah. <laughs> but by having a, I grew a, up in Kelmscott, mate. An education and, and an institution yeah, nice and, house. A, and an mate, ability if to. If he wouldn't die for you, you'd be speaking German right now, right? <laughs> but by having. Mate, if my parents didn't come here, I'd probably still be speaking German as it is. By having a citizen's right to an education at a primary and secondary level and then an easily accessible tertiary education, you should. Appreciate what's gone before you to let you have like like you can't you couldn't have been woke unless institutions let you be woke. So you should even if you don't agree with the institutions, you should pause for a moment to respect the institutions that let you become woke. What's your position right now? You've you being for I'm, what we were just saying. Or I'm being for taking a minute to because yeah. I'm saying my my the the left in me my knee jerk reaction is like you know why why take a minute why but no say so, no the answer is that. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you've become woke as a result of institutions and a society, you should at least respect 
for, as you said, a very brief period, the society that let you become woke. And that's simply my opinion. And I think, I and I and I acknowledge that perhaps it's a unique perspective in that if someone had a conversation with me about standing for the national anthem, and then ten minutes later had a conversation with me about uh, Australia's involvement in the Middle East. They would be like, "How is this person a consistent human being in any regard?" And I understand that. But you're, but you're saying but it's not—it's not what's happening now; it's what's happened before. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's unfortunately, and it's also seen the best. And unfortunately, as Connor touched on, the people that went in World War One and World War Two, for that matter, and Vietnam, when you acknowledge that that was a lottery, and Korea didn't have a choice. A lot of them. And when I say didn't have a choice, I mean they didn't make the choice. They they made the choice obviously to sign up. They didn't know what they were signing up for. And there were societal pressures and things like that. Which of course. Some people didn't have a choice. And your friends were going and all the rest of it. So, to me, it's, it's just, it's not a big deal to sing the national anthem. Yeah. Look, I don't know exactly how we've gotten here. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I think I just... Starship Troopers get us. But, yeah. Yeah. Look, there was something I was going to say. I'm just the host. Well, can I ask you, Connor, you said you had two big... No, I think it was covered in the cross. Okay. It was the... I mean, like, what we haven't really... I don't think we really have enough time, but what we haven't really touched on is, like... And, I mean, it's, it's just more of that element of is this satire or is this just pro, but there's obviously the, you know, like, the... When you're obviously talking about fascism, you always have these um, relationships, to the, this connection that you ultimately have to draw to uh, Nazi Germany, and you see that in the film through things like... Um, the Colonel's uh, outfit, the game theory people's outfit, which was very yeah, reminiscent of various, SS, yeah. uh, the propaganda things and the way that they describe sort of the bugs and the sense of how, you know, like there's that, there's those two talking heads are saying, you know, things, I find the idea of a bug that is intelligent to be offensive. And those are sort of the similar sort of ideas that um, the Nazis put forward to the Jews. And look, I don't really want to, I don't think we have enough time and I don't really want to get into a discussion. I mean, real quick though, just like flip side of that, when, because the main character is the, the grunt military guy, it's just like flip side of that is a bit just like when you like feet are on the ground, does it really matter? Like, like you see the things killing like everyone in like around you. And, and that's the so problem with the film you, in the sense of, do. that's the problem in the film in the sense of, in the fact that it is sort of compared to Nazi Germany, but it's like, <laughs> but these actually are bugs. And you know, it's not just calling Nazi Germany's rats or Jews, sorry, it's not calling Jews rats or things like that. It's like, you're calling these things bugs and they actually are bugs and they actually are vicious and they actually are dangerous. And that's the dichotomy. That's the difference between this and Nazi Germany in the sense that the Jews are not those things. And the I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> so, what's interesting I, is... Um, and my point about All Quiet on the Western Front, and I'm still really surprised that... At least on the internet and Wikipedia, no one's drawing correlation between this movie and all fighting. Mate, I'm not surprised that you came up with a take that Wikipedia doesn't have. <laughs> very switched on guy. Um, but um, All Quiet on the Western Front was uh, one of the first films to be kind of uh, boycotted or banned, rather, by the Nazi Party because it it was came out in 1930 and was insanely popular in the early 30s, which correlates exactly with the rise of the Nazi Party, and obviously. It's, its fundamental argument was, again, what you were saying at the very outset, Stefan, of, of the, the human reality of war and just how atrocious it is. Um, so, but this movie, it seems weird because it seems to accept that at the very start, but then kind of champion... Or, but then is it satirising Nazism or is it 
Is it pro Nazis? <laughs> well, I think because it's it. It's so is it, what's a better film? This film? Or? I think. I think because what you're saying is like the human element of war is a very personal issue. From the state's perspective, if the war achieves its goal, then it is good. And this film is is this film is. If you look at it from the promoting point of view, promoting what is the efficient state, and so therefore yeah. the personal issues okay. don't affect the state. They and they do all these things of hundred thousand dead in an hour, all these ridiculous numbers. That if you were to think about a hundred thousand individual people dying, that's an incredible personal toll. But in the sense of did it achieve benefit for the state? Then, um, and if it does, then obviously that that's really irrelevant. So. What about the so that's how it, that's how it can critique those elements and be pro fascist simultaneously. Ratings. Yeah, should we move on to ratings? Yeah, yeah. Who's we'll start? Okay, you start, Dan. We'll go. start with this film. Do you go last, then, Dan? Give it a you nine. have to appreciate that this is ultimately <laughs> a bad film. <laughs> <laughs> a bad film. And and on the rewatch, look, it wasn't as enjo- I didn't enjoy it as a twenty eight year old as much as I enjoyed it as a fourteen year old. Crazy, but it does have some interesting. I, I think it does have some things that make you think. And I, again, I don't necessarily know that the director knows exactly the answer to these things, but they are questions. And as the film says, they are questions. Do you want to? Do you want to I have a lot of questions. The film says, "Do you want to know more?" And there are questions within the film that, uh, that, that make you question that. That they said, do you want to know more? And, and, do you, and you can start thinking about those things. I think ultimately it is a film that, um, that young boys should watch. And I think it's... <laughs> I agree with that. And I think it's... Uh, I would give it about a six. Maybe a five and a half. A five, I, I, I think I gave kids seven and a half. So I feel six is probably a bit high. I'm going to go five and a half. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Look, um, I think I enjoyed this conversation a lot more than I enjoyed the film. Yeah. And I think I enjoyed the themes that were drawn out from the film, that we drew out from the film, I should say, a lot more than the actual film. I do agree with kind of that it, it uh, presents, although very briefly, um, some interesting concepts worth exploring. And I, perhaps I agree with Dan that the book perhaps uh, explores these topics a little bit better. Because um, I think this film just kind of progressed into a mindless action film. Um, but to me, I'm I'm always biased in my ratings in that if a film's heavy on the dialogue, it usually gets a higher rating. Um, it's hard to convince me otherwise unless the dialogue's really bad. But that film was just terrible dialogue and terrible acting. And like I almost would have preferred a film where the four characters are all locked in a spaceship and they don't know when they're going to get saved and, you know, write a script from that, you know? I would have preferred that film to that. Um, so I'm going to give that a... I'm going to give that a... I'll give that a four. Look, it was a bad movie. Um, I, I enjoyed elements of it. Ultimately, though, it wasn't a great film. Uh, I'm probably at a four as well. So... Yeah, the only pres- I I maintain it's a kids movie, and so I'm going to um, interpret it through the kids movie lens. And f- as far as kids movies go, violence 
throughout. Yeah, yeah I mean, fair point. Fair point. Yeah, Kitchener. It's still a kid movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree so that it's still I a can, youth I movie. I can only give it a four because, as I said, the first few scenes, there were some interesting themes that I think kids at a young age, it would be cool for them to be grappling with that sort of thing. And then the rest of the movie is just mindless kind of killing of bugs. So, yeah, cool. But I'd give it a four. I All give right. this podcast like a nine, though. <laughs> oh, this podcast is phenomenal. Can't have the rewatch. Oh, well, so next so, week we'll have. Yeah, uh, I always screen. think that we should move, give move. a separate rating for like, yeah. What rating do we give a film that allows us to talk about yeah, this? Movies, yeah. movies average was like four. Like this podcast conversation, one of the best we've had. <laughs> like, great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Yeah. Great, 